Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. being here with us today. For the last few weeks, and I think more than a month now, we've been on this journey where we set out to rediscover the gospel, the gospel message, and what it is to share the gospel of the kingdom of God. Last week we, of course, celebrated Resurrection Sunday, and I thought about drawing bits and pieces from everything that we've learned so far. And I don't think even if we spend a year, maybe two or a few years, that we'll ever be able to just exhaust every single element of the gospel. Although I'll do my best this morning to relay what I believe the Spirit has, has led me to share, I want you to, to make this message and what we've heard over the last few weeks to make it personal. Do not just make this a, a teaching or a Sunday service, but to know and to understand that the Spirit of, the God, the Spirit of God is calling us to change. He is calling us to do something. He is calling us to take what we've learned, to implement, to encourage, to motivate, to inspire, and to allow our hearts to wrap around this gospel message again, maybe like it was sometime before to come out of the, the cold, stale season of our lives where we've just been going through the motions with church and activity and programs and to once again come back to the heart of what this message is about. To know and to understand the joy of our salvation. To come to rediscover what the Bible calls your first love. We learned over the last few weeks that the gospel, by definition, is the good news being delivered. And the practical roots of this concept are in the ancient practice of communicating the good news of a war being won. If the message was not communicated, does it mean that the war has been lost? If we don't declare the victory, if we don't take the message home that the war has been won, does it mean that we've lost the war? It certainly doesn't. But the people would live as if they did not have the victory. And so it's therefore the, the victory in itself, the actual victory, the communication of the victory, and the response to the victory that are the key to unlocking power of the gospel. It has to come full circle. If you and I never say anything about the gospel, that would be a shame. But that wouldn't change the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. But how sad would it be if we know and we believe and we trust in that word so much that we declare as believers that our very lives depend upon this word and we never share. And we never invite anybody into it. And we never have a burning desire to see our friends and family respond to the good news that we have the victory. 
there's a, a mystery and an awesome power that expresses itself when the gospel is being preached. You will oftentimes find yourself sharing something, speaking about the gospel, sharing the word of God, however you want to phrase. And you just think that that's just something that you're doing. That's just words that you are speaking. But when we communicate the gospel, when we speak the word of God, there's a power at work according to the promise and the word of God. There's a mystery, something that you cannot explain that happens in the hearts and the lives of those who receive the message through the word of God. Amen. And that should take the pressure off from us. We don't have to fight this battle. We don't have to go to war for it. We don't have to come up with the message. It's already been done. The victory has been won. The price has been paid. All that's left for us to do as believers is to come and report back. And so often we complicate it. We come with clever theological arguments and debates. And we put our, our thoughts and our opinions ahead of the word of God. Where all that he is saying is, go to my people, go to your family, go to your loved ones, and just tell them that I love them. I think in its simplicity, we also come to understand that although that's an easy message to communicate, that by default it also becomes easy not to do because we think there's no power in sharing the good news. But listen to this in Romans chapter 10. St. Paul writing and he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Your family and my family and our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, their salvation is dependent on the word of God being communicated to them. With a good heart, with the right attitude, and in love, without judgment, with the same mercy that we received it with and responded to. That is what's missing. It is not the tricks and the gimmicks that we use to get somebody to church and to get somebody to believe the gospel. How many of you have used tricks and gimmicks like leaving a Bible open on somebody's bed or leaving scriptures everywhere around the house? Or when they get into your car, you all of a sudden change the radio station. Or you play that favorite sermon or preaching. Just because for that moment you think that somehow that should do something, right? But God has given us the privilege, you and I, the ability to speak the word of God. He's given us this victory so that we can open our mouths and say to somebody, 
you know what? God loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. No gimmicks. No tricks. No ESCOM. Just the word of God in your heart, out of your mouth. Because Paul says here, how will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they believe? This is the question that the Bible asks. How will anybody believe? It says he opens the scripture or this passage by saying, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And so it's a privilege for us as believers to know that we have the victory. But what a shame for us if we don't live our lives in response to and accordance to that victory. Our share in the victory is not just the benefits of the victory, but also the responsibility to let others know. It cannot be less important than everything else that we do. You cannot say, I'm not called, or I'm leaving this for someone else. When did it become so comfortable and so easy for us to say, I know God is telling me to share the love and to speak about this victory, but I am busy, but I have other things to do, but other conversations are more important. Through his life, death and resurrection, Jesus overcame the power of sin and sickness. He also destroyed its roots and its effects. And we get to choose whether we believe that or not. And we get to participate in that by responding to the gospel message. Why would we withhold it from the ones who are dear to us? It was the mission of Jesus on earth to bring us the good news of the kingdom of God. And so it's our mission to continue communicating the message of the kingdom. Our good deeds and our attitudes might bring them into close proximity of the word. But ultimately, only the word of God, only the word of God being shared and being heard will lead to somebody being saved. How many of you desire to see loved ones saved? How many of you have a name on your heart even right now? of a friend, of a loved one, a colleague that you want to see saved? How many of you have been saying for years, if God would only save them, these things would go away, the problems would go away? How many prayers have you prayed for loved ones? How many times have you gone before the Lord and cried out, Lord, save them, I don't know what to do anymore. Save them by some means, somehow. Lord, I wish they would just change and come to know you. Whereas the truth is, the change comes after knowing. The condemnation that some people feel, the guilt, is sometimes enhanced by the fact that we say the same thing about them that they say about themselves. I'm worthless. I'm nothing. Only if I change, God will love me. Our thoughts towards our loved ones, our thoughts towards family especially, is what opens the door for the gospel message to be of effect in their lives. The love that we have for them, 
the mercy that we show to them. And I know you are at the point where you say, I don't know what to do anymore, Lord. But he comes to stand before us this morning and says, as you go, as you speak, I will give you more grace and more grace and more power. And I will ensure that the fact that you love somebody won't kill you. Because sometimes that's how we feel. It's taking too much from us, Lord. It's taking too much. It's draining all my resources, all my time, all my energy. Well, you went to the cross for you and I. And that took everything from him. And he calls us not to go to the cross physically, but to continue the message of what was done for you and I in love. Where mercy doesn't operate in your life, the gospel message and the message of forgiveness cannot function. If we don't share mercy, we don't show mercy, Especially with family members. And this is something that the Lord brought upon my heart this morning. I had something prepared. And while praying and just while waiting on him early this morning. He spoke these things to me. It becomes almost impossible for you to trust for the salvation of a loved one. If you are harboring judgment. And if you are offended and keep that offense in your heart towards members in your family. Not just towards that person directly, but because God is a father and he has the love of a father, the ultimate and purest form of love. He looks at us and says, these little squabbles you have with family and the arguments and the ill feelings and the judgment that you speak over them, I cannot save and bless the rest of them because you are getting in the way of the flow of mercy in your family. And I know that people have wronged us and I know family members get into things and it's not your fault and it's not my fault. But God is saying, as I've shown you mercy, as I've given it to you freely, you ought to give it away. It's only in mercy and humility that you open up the way for the power of the cross to be of any effect in your life. Philippians 2, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, in other words, because of the humility... God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And the result being that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. It was in the humility and obedience of Jesus Christ that God the Father gave him a place of honor. And because of his humility and obedience, the Bible says that he gave him the name that is above every other name, and that at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. If it took humility and obedience from Jesus Christ for you and I to be saved, and Paul opens this passage by saying, have the same attitude or the same mind that Christ has, then you and I are to have the same attitude and mind that it's going to take humility and obedience for the power of the cross to be in effect in our lives. There is no other way. Nobody's going to come to the cross with a clever argument. Nobody comes to the cross with judgment. Nobody comes to the cross because you have a little gimmick in place to do it. They come to the cross because your humility and your obedience and your understanding of what happened on that cross will go to effect in your family's life if you, like Paul says, consider others' interests before your own. Don't think of yourself as more importantly as other people. You are saved, but you're not special. If God comes to save that person's life right now and they respond to the gospel, the playing fields are equal. The same grace that saved you will save them as well. So let us stop looking down on other people saying they are not saved, they are not from the household of God. God has called us and placed us in those very positions to speak the love of God, to share the love of God, to share the peace of God, and to understand that the way to salvation is through humility and obedience. So why did Jesus come? The Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Further in the Gospel of Mark it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Again in Mark chapter 1, he says, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Over and over Jesus reminds us that he's come to share the word of God. He's come to share the message of the kingdom of God. He's come to share, he's come to declare, he's come to give it to other people. Everything else that happens during his ministry is as a result of the fact that he first came to preach. He first came to share the gospel. He first came to open his mouth and say, repent and believe. The kingdom is at hand. It's here, it's right here. In other words, the influence and the standard and the way of living of the kingdom is here, it's available, it's accessible to you, but it requires repentance. Often we try to put people in the lifestyle of the kingdom first and then get them to repentance. We first preach the prosperity and all the good things and come to know the Lord and all these things, but there must first be a moment, an opportunity, a season where they come to believe the good news that Jesus Christ has come to die for them. 
He says in John 6, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Further in the same book, it says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. I think often we forget these simple words of the gospel, as we've seen over the last few weeks, that Jesus has come to bring the good news. He's come with a message from the Father. Left glory, came to earth, walked among us, and share his Father's heart without the need for having an original thought or an original opinion. He says, I only say those things I hear my Father say, and I only do those things which I see Him do. So my own opinion about the matter doesn't count. I've only come to do the work and the will of my Father here on earth. But when we as believers step into this kingdom by the grace of God, very often our own opinions and our own interests matter so much that we forget that Jesus himself said, I've come to do the will of my Father. I've come to do the will of my Father. And the will of his Father for his mission on earth was to preach. It was to share the gospel, share the good news, share the love of God. In Luke 22, the the word says, But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. This is, of course, Peter speaking. And the Lord said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. I am ready to go with you, Lord, to prison and to death. And Jesus says to him, But this very next day, you are going to deny me. Not just once. And often we have that zeal, that passion that Peter has. Lord, I'll go to prison and to death and to the ends of the earth. And I will serve you and I will never deny you. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And the Lord says, within 24 hours, you are going to deny me three times. And sometimes we look to the vastly complicated things and we want to add our own opinions and thoughts to how all of this is supposed to play out where Jesus is basically just saying just the way you are don't deny who I am just where I've placed you just with the people around you speak his words of love But thank God that Jesus never says to Peter, you will deny me and I will cast you out forever. I walked with you. I poured my life out for you. I taught you. I positioned you for miracles. I gave you my best and I'm on the way to give you all of me. You will deny me, but I will love you. And that is the gospel. That is the good news of the kingdom. That no matter how many times we've denied him and been ashamed and placed our own priorities above his and put our own interests before the interests of the kingdom of God, he stands here with us this morning and says, you know what? This doesn't surprise me. I'm here to love you. 
I'm here to love you and to love your family and to love your community. And I know even though you'll fail again, even though you'll slip up again, I am here to love you unto death and beyond my death. I will never forget you because you are mine. I came for you. I came to share the message of my Father's kingdom with you. I walked with you. I spoke to you when you cried out in the midnight hour. When you were fearful, I was there for you. I held you. I took your hand in the palm of my hand. And together we walked a journey. And I know you slipped. And I know you took your eyes off me. But I will love you. And I will love you with an everlasting love. The same thoughts and feelings towards Peter and the disciples are the same feelings that he has towards us today. That I know you've slipped up. I know you've made it about something else. I know you've neglected to share when I gave you opportunity to share. I know you've judged. But you know what? I paid the price. I paid the price for you. I paid the price for you. And I love you so dearly and so deeply that you never have to look to anybody else on this earth to love you in the way that I do. Although I'll place people around you who will affirm you, who will support you and who will show you love, remember that I am the source of that love. I am the Lord your God. I am the one who loves you passionately that through humility and obedience I will go to the cross for you and I will open up this gateway I will open up the door I will reserve a place for you because it cost me so much to see you be by my side for all of eternity the love of God the love the pure raw undiluted love of God is what you and I base our beliefs on. By nothing else, because He loved us, whatever happens to you and I today, but because He loves us, because He loves us, we will be with Him forever. Because He loves us, we can look to Him day by day and put our trust in Him and look to Him for that affirmation and look to Him for that security and look to Him for that provision and that protection. And look to him and say, God, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for me. And look to him and understand and grasp fully that pure Father's love that no matter what I've done, that he will look to me and say, although you denied me, I'm going to the cross for you. I will lay it all down for you. And I will continue to lift you up before my Father. I will continue to pray for you. Do you know that Jesus prays for you? I want to bring us back to the first love. The first love, the highest form of love, the love of God. For us to fall in love with our Father again, that it so moves our hearts that we cannot help but share that love with everybody that we meet. You remember the first love? You remember when you came to know Him for the first time? How many of you came to know the Lord through an Alpha course? Alpha, I know my mom did, and she was the pioneer for our family, for our salvation. Anybody come through Alpha? Anybody part of the Rhema Church? 
Anybody part of Transformation Africa, the prayer day at Newlands? You ever attend those at the gym? The big church movements in our city, services in the open air. Services in the open air, big marquee tents. Just worship anywhere where we can find a space to worship. Just anywhere where we can share the love of God. Just any time, any opportunity we get to say to somebody, know what, God loves you. God loves you. Know what, God loves you. Your family, God's got your family. God wants to express His love. God is calling you today to remember and to understand His first love. Romans 5 says this, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we will also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Our weakness our ungodliness, our sinfulness is not the reason he came to save us. It was his love. It was his love for us. It was always about his love since the beginning. And it will forever be about his love. That is what this gospel message is about. It is about his love. I can do nothing to be saved. I don't deserve it. But he chose to demonstrate his love. And so too, you are loved. God doesn't have to think about how he will love you. You don't have to fix your life first and then respond to his love. You are not too messed up to come to him. And many times we feel that our guilt and shame will prevent God from loving us. But it's in that very state that he comes and says to me that I love you. Regardless, I love you. He knows about your past, but he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And often I think that we misinterpret this verse and we say, he doesn't say not I will be and I was. He says, I am the beginning and I am the end. When he promises that he will restore the years that the enemy has taken from you, he is saying that he will give you himself because he exists in all of time and he will give you the joy of your salvation that pierces through the hurts of your past and through the uncertainty of your future. In Mark chapter 2, he says these words, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, 
I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And all it takes today for us to come back to that love is the acknowledgement that we've grown cold. The acknowledgement that we've made it about everything else besides the love of God. And today I believe He wants to change that for us. He wants to empower us. And we might say that this is too big of an assignment. It's going to cost me too much to share the love of God with my words. And he says, I know, I understand. And that's exactly the point. And that is why I'm extending my grace to you. It's his grace that will empower us. The Spirit continued to minister to me and he said these words, don't worry. You pray for the household of faith. You pray for your family. You give yourself to the ministry of the word and all of heaven will be behind you to ensure that your needs are met. Serve the Lord and even the very angels of heaven would minister to you. Speak the words of life and the Holy Spirit will give you life. Don't worry about what this is going to cost. It is going to be a dear price. There will be awkward moments and you won't be able to quote the scriptures word by word and you won't be able to have the arguments and the gimmicks at hand to see somebody come to salvation. But as you speak and as you share with the right heart attitude, he will continue to position you so that you will one day see your family in eternal life with the Father. It should burden us, it should break our hearts to know that we are friends and family that don't know the Lord. It should be of concern to you and I as a believer that there are people around us that don't know this love. And I know and I understand that we cannot reach every single person in our own capacity, in our own strength. But God has placed you in a family. God has placed you in a community. God has placed you in a company where you can share the love of God. I think the time for complacency has come to an end when it comes to the gospel. The time where we say, let somebody else do it. I've had my season. Let somebody else do it. They're more gifted for doing that. Let me just enjoy the benefits of my salvation. I'm going to heaven. Yes, you are going to heaven. But I pray today that God would break our hearts for our families. There's this verse in Proverbs 18, verse 9, that says, He who is lazy in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Different translation says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. In other words, the lazy, the complacent are in partnership with those who destroy. The lazy, those who don't do anything. You know how it is at your work if there's a lazy person? Even though they don't do anything, they make the situation worse. And if you get upset with them, they all say, I did nothing. And that's the point. You did nothing. <laughs> and spiritually it's the same. The Lord looks at us and He says, you know, you don't put yourself out there. You don't take the risk of sharing your faith. 
Maybe you didn't upset that person too much. And you go, thank you, Lord. They should be okay, right? And he says, no, that's not what I wanted you to do. I want you to take that awkward moment. I wanted you to put yourself out there. I wanted you to just, in your the right heart attitude, say to that person that I love them. Let's not continue the laziness and the slothfulness in the spirit where we just let life happen while our families remain untouched by the love of God. He wants to save us. It's his desire that every man be saved. It's his desire that everyone comes to know him. I'm going to read one last scripture and we're going to pray. One Peter chapter one, from verse one to four. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now may God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. This is the promise for you. This is God's delight in you because you've been saved. Won't you claim and stand on this word for your loved ones, for your family? We're going to pray in a moment, and I specifically want to pray for, for family issues this morning. The Lord has been ministering to me about that since yesterday. Where there are arguments and fights, and where there's backbiting, and where on the surface everything looks okay, but in that family... This one is not speaking to that one. And somehow they've roped you into it. And you just say, well, if that's how they want to be, then this is how I'm going to be. Imagine you came to that cross and you say, your Savior, that's how you want to be, this is how I want to be. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But in Philippians, Paul told us today, I have the same mind, I have the same attitude as Christ. That through humility and obedience, through that humility and obedience, I pray today that God will open up the windows of heaven over your family, that you will see salvation in your community, that you will have the joy and the boldness and the grace to speak the words of life to the people that you meet. That you have an awakening today to share the gospel unreservedly, with the right heart attitude, full of love and compassion. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.